Welcome to the Birth Warrior Podcast. In each episode, we feature the stories of birth warriors, women who have persevered to find their own truth in pregnancy and birth. As you hear these women share their stories of love, autonomy, connection, and power, it is our deepest wish that you will be inspired, empowered, and supported to find your own truth. We are honored these women have stepped forward to share their personal stories and to help us remember that we all have the power to choose what is right for us. The Birth Warrior Podcast is a presentation of the Indie Birth Association and is not intended to be medical advice. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Birth Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Jaden Graham, and on today's episode, we have Emily. Emily is a Reiki teacher massage therapist, and birth keeper currently pursuing midwifery school outside of the system. Since experiencing the magic of undisturbed birth with her second daughter, Ishelle, she wants to share that the keys of reclamation for women can lie in trusting their deepest knowing and embracing birth as a sacred right. Feminine power and sovereignty can come from self-knowledge, consciously choosing our birthing path, and owning our energy. And I hope you all enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today. I'm so excited to hear your story. So yeah, wherever you would like to begin. All right. Well, I do want to give a backstory of the preconception stage of my daughter and this was like early 2020 before lockdowns went all across the world and I was feeling something intuitively like in my gut that there's something within my my body that wanted more sovereignty you know I I felt like once COVID hit I I felt like very disconnected from what was happening in the mainstream world and just like tapping in more with what my truth was and my energy was throughout all of 2020. Um, So sovereignty was a huge theme for me last year and what that defined within my life um, kind of came to pass with the birth of my daughter. So Mm. What ended up happening was me and my husband were planning on having a conscious <laughs> conception after I finished massage therapy school. And um, I guess for me, I, I like knew that this baby was coming. I had felt her for a long time. I didn't actually know it was a her. I kept seeing a girl and a boy in some visions that I was having. So I didn't really know what was going to come through. Um, Mm. But I knew that I wanted to embrace motherhood again, because I had already had a child with my husband eight years before that. And we waited a while before we decided to have another baby. So I just knew that taking responsibility for how I felt on a deeper level was just a theme that I was going through. I was 28, 
almost 29 and you know, maybe it was a part of my Saturn return. If anyone is familiar with that, mm-hmm. but it definitely spilled over into my pregnancy and my birth. So, um, me and my husband had spent a really awesome vacation in Mesa Verde and we had been trying for a month. We had just bought some land in Colorado and just all these shifts were happening. Um, and it took about a month for us to conceive and that felt really good. It felt really aligned. Um, somewhere around the time after I had taken a pregnancy test, like week seven or so, I experienced, um, bleeding. So I had a subchorionic hemorrhage and I thought that I was losing my baby Mm. because it was a lot of blood. It was something I wasn't familiar with. Um, as a doula, I hadn't really heard stories of this happening and it becoming more of a variation of normal rather than it being just like you're losing your baby right now. But Mm -hmm. I was pretty scared, um, because I had had a miscarriage in 2018 also. And I had also done like a whole detox, um, before this baby. So I thought, well, my body should be ready. You know, I had done, done a lot of womb work and really tried to tap into, you know, what my womb was feeling and, and feeling really healthy. So, um, the bleeding I realized triggered a lot of things that still needed to be healed. You know, I try to do as much healing as I could before conceiving. I'm, I'm sure a lot of women go through this, but you know, healing isn't this linear path where you're, you're done, you know? So, right. um, I felt some feelings yeah, from that with this bleeding. Um, so I decided, this was before I decided like what kind of care I was going to have because I, it was so early and I hadn't really thought about that. I just knew I wanted to have a baby. I had just been planning on conceiving, you know? So, um, I decided to get an ultrasound and there was confirmation of the heartbeat of my baby and, um, just going through that, knowing that I was bleeding a lot, um, it taught me a lot about embracing the potential of losing another baby and really just diving deeper in myself to embrace death as a potential rather than push it away. Mm. You know, um, wow. there's some feelings there of like, am I manifesting this with my thoughts of fear? <laughs> I wasn't manifesting it, but I, I was also, you know, there's something there. The womb holds memory. Absolutely. And I think that my womb was really trying to, to bring me back into a lesson of learning about her. So there was that confirmation though of a heartbeat. And, um, you know, I really did need that. I did need some external knowing that I was still caring. Um, I guess that 
did come from the past and not wanting to have to wait it out. When I think back about that, I, I think like I could have waited that out and I could have just trusted or I don't know, I guess just see what happens in the next couple months. But um, <laughs> that did help me, you know. Um, but also, you know, like there was this moment before I went in to um, get the ultrasound and I was listening to this song in the parking lot and it's called Fourth Door and it goes hurting, hurting, take courage, my love, worth it, it is worth it, take this pain and mourn, Fourth Door. And I just remember crying in the parking lot. Why, why, why am I going through this again? You know, like the mm -hmm. immense pain that women feel through that loss is, you know, obviously so taboo, but um, we do go through it alone a lot of the time. And I believe in signs and I felt like that song was like, just a reminder, like, let this go, just like surrender to whatever's going to happen. Mm. So, um, I went home um, after receiving some really obscure advice after my ultrasound about like resting, not really being necessary, that this could be the start of a miscarriage, but may not be. And <laughs> it was just like, wow, thanks. Okay. So I'm going, going to go home and rest. I'm going to spend the weekend resting because that's what my body is telling me to do. So, um, I ended up doing that and tapping into myself a bit more. I did decide to, uh, take tincture and, um, some nourishing herbs during that weekend and really throughout the whole first trimester of my pregnancy. And that felt good. Um, but I did continue to bleed for weeks. And um, during that time, I remember this moment where I was driving in the car and I had this like, flash of a vision of blue lights entering my womb space and spiraling in my womb. And I really felt that that was this moment that the baby decided to stay and that she was here. She wasn't going to leave. And like I had kind of felt like that was a solidifying moment. I had a lot of really interesting visions throughout my pregnancy and dreams. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I had decided after finding out that I was pregnant that I did want a doula and a midwife for my home birth. I had been working as a doula for the last handful of years and I knew that having a sister to walk with me during my pregnancy and my birth would be invaluable. Another thing I knew that I wanted from my birth keeper or whoever was to be there with me was someone who could essentially do what I love to do for my clients. And that's to integrate ceremony into birth. 
in the process of birth through song, music. So I ended up finding a ceremonialist who also works as a birth keeper. And she was the perfect fit. She assisted one of my best friends in hosting a mother blessing ceremony for me too, which I feel like every woman should relish in. It was definitely a game changer in calling in my sister support. Mm. And that trickled into some really amazing postpartum support. So as time kind of ticked on, I was like, who, who am I going to have at my birth? You know, I have this like, wonderful ceremonialist. I, I wanted a midwife and well, I thought I wanted a midwife. <laughs> so, um, I ended up looking outside of my local town and, um, I couldn't find anybody <laughs> in my own town. So like that really resonated with what I wanted. And so I thought, okay, I'll search outside of town. And so I ended up interviewing like something like five to 10 of these midwives on zoom, you know, cause this is like the end of 2020 and everything's on zoom. <laughs> so I scheduled these all out within like first, like a week. And I'm realizing like one by one, I just could not invite them into my space. And it wasn't that they weren't lovely, wonderful women. I mean, they were, but they were all working for the system. And I had asked them each in the interview, you know, like what, what of these tests do I have to do? Like, are there any that I can say no to or, um, like what in, in this situation, what would you do? And it's just, it was basically all the wrong answers. Mm, and yeah, <laughs> I felt, I felt that in my gut, you know, I, I just knew in my body that that wasn't going to feel good. I didn't want to spend my whole pregnancy talking about my physiology and just, you know, feeling like, I was being tested and mm -hmm. I just wanted to enjoy, you know, cause it, it is such a short amount of time and there are many months where pregnancy can be uncomfortable and painful and mm -hmm. <laughs> I wanted to enjoy it as much as I possibly could without all that extra external stuff coming at me yeah. that I'd have to focus on. So you wanted a peaceful pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really, I, I knew also that it was unnecessary. Like I, I knew that everything would be fine. I mean, I can't say how I knew that other than I felt good. Like despite the bleeding, when the bleeding stopped after, you know, so many weeks, I felt really good. Mm -hmm. Like I had gone through that nauseous stage. I was getting into my second trimester and she's like, you know what? I just want to like feel what this is supposed to be. This is supposed to be a transformational sacred time for me to, to tap in, mm -hmm. you know, like our, 
women, our intuition peaks during pregnancy and our, our brain waves change. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to focus on that. So, um, it was a really meditative time. Hmm. So what ended up happening was I, I talked to my, my birth keeper about, you know, like my dilemma, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know who to like, what midwife to bring. And she's like, well, you know, it sounds like you kind of want this, this woman. And she referred me to an unlicensed midwife who had gone through her midwifery training years ago and just opted out of her, her license. And mm. so I knew that was what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I met with this woman and it turns out that I had only seen her twice. Like we had only met up twice during the whole pregnancy. And one of the times was her teaching me how to palpate my own belly. Mm -hmm. And so it felt more like she was um, heeding the call of what real genuine support I needed versus you know, calling me and, Hey, like, let's meet up and do this. There was none of that scheduled. It was all based off of my intuitive knowing of, okay, I, mm. I'd like to see you for this. Mm -hmm. And when she was um, helping me with palpation, it was closer to like 36 weeks when I had gotten it in my head that my baby was transverse and was never going to turn. And mm. so it was really, it was really helpful at that moment to have someone that could essentially teach me and, and talk to me. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget what she said to me because, um, you know, she said, obviously like the, the baby can turn any time, um, babies turn during labor, but, um, your baby's head down. <laughs> so you don't need to be worrying about anything. Mm -hmm. I'd even like tried to educate myself on breech birth if I was just going to have a breech birth at home. Mm -hmm. And um, we discussed like why I had it in my mind of the baby being transverse too. Mm -hmm. um, as like maybe me and the baby were just in between worlds and that we were like not quite up, not quite down, just like in the ethers, mm -hmm. just waiting for that space of labor to come I thought that was just a really nice thing to say about this supposed like problem that I had in my mind you know mm -hmm. just like turn it into something else you know even like the the idea of pathologizing the transverse baby and like turning it into a problem and trying to control it. And, you know, that made me think later <laughs> on, like, wow, like I really, I really felt like Google did an injustice to me there, <laughs> you know, or just thinking that I have to make everything perfect before birth. Like, no, birth is going to come. Mm -hmm. She's going to know when and how and all you have to do is like let all this stuff go. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Mm. 
so yeah, she was really there for me when I needed her. Mm. And like sometimes I would text her suggestions on homeopathy and it was just it was just nice to like feel like I was in control of any kind of care that I had rather than like it turned around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's so important to have in um, someone I that's going to be, I, I was just saying that's so important to, to have that, um, that connection and just like, um, to just have that energy as someone that's going to be at your birth space, you know? Yeah. yeah so, so lovely. Yeah, like, a woman that is hands off, like so hands off mm-hmm. that you feel like you're trusting yourself versus having to trust someone else. And that, you know, that if you did need something, you would know Mm -hmm. and you can reach out and be that one instead of, you know, feeling like you're being, um, not medicalized isn't the word, but, um, just, I guess looked under with like a microscope as like your your pregnancy and your birth is something medical to to try and find out what's wrong or what what's really going on instead of just enjoying it as like a flow. Yeah. Like this this flow state of like growth because you're growing a human and and then you go through like the waves of labor and then you come out the other side and it's just like it all flows through rather than like there's even like the first second third trimesters you know breaking things up into these sections and um you know I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is like she she understood birth as like such a natural process Mm -hmm. that she knew she didn't have to do anything she trusted birth and yes, yeah, she trusted birth <laughs> so much. And like she, you know, her not having her license really gave her the freedom to be what I needed. Mm-hmm. Totally. So totally. Feel that. Um, let's see. Oh yeah. I wanted to mention also that like I ended up getting um, my hands on the indie birth uh, 13 moons epic birth education course which was very supportive for me. Um, it was really cool to have some month to month, like moon based, um, process to follow and learn, um, in such a supportive, loving way. Um, and to dive into things that if I I wanted to learn more about the anatomy side of pregnancy, I could, Mm -hmm. Um, which I ended up like using a fetoscope and learning more about just using a fetoscope on myself, like on my baby instead of, you know, someone else doing that for Mm -hmm. you. And so that was very embracing of like my own power as a mother and as a birth keeper and knowing more about that. If like even women that I serve want to do that themselves, like, it was just, it was like taking that responsibility <laughs> for keeping a, or for creating a, a simple, but like consciously navigated pregnancy mm-hmm. it was life changing. Mm-hmm. 
I'm sure that. Um, so like I ended up. Oh, oh I was going to say, and I'm sure, I'm sure from that experience that just spilled over into the, uh, into the birth as well. Just the magic from that. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The birth. Well, yeah, the birth. <laughs> the birth. <laughs> so I had this conversation. So I had this conversation about um, like who would be at my birth. I ended up talking to um, my midwife about like, hey, how would you feel if I never called you for the birth? And um, and I you know, like talked to my birth keeper, and she's like totally respectful of like whenever I called her and how that would all go down. So. Basically, to speed up to um, Saturday, it was May 29th, um, I was feeling very irritable and having painless contractions, which were like super confusing to me because I had had, I guess, like Braxton Hicks for weeks and maybe months that felt the same. But um, what was different was like, I felt super hormonal and I was just like, crying over the fact that I was like so pregnant I was 38 weeks on the day or 30 yeah 38 plus one whatever you know around there <laughs> <laughs> um and I just felt like so pregnant I was just like I I'm at that point where I I witness women who are just like I'm done like I'm I'm done and I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to try to induce. There was nothing like that. Um, but I, I don't know, like my last two months of pregnancy were so hard. Mm -hmm. And I think that was, that was like my, if I could say that there was like a really difficult part of pregnancy and birth and so far postpartum, it was like the last two months of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. I was just like, so swollen and just like, ah. I was just so big and I couldn't sleep. Mm -hmm. So I've actually been sleeping better at night postpartum <laughs> than I did when I was pregnant. It's amazing. <laughs> Funny how that happens. Yeah. Yeah. And this baby's an angel. <laughs> so bouncing your angel baby right but, now. Um, so yeah, like that. <laughs> so yeah, that day I was just like crying, like laying in bed. I was like telling my husband, like, oh, you know, I'm so done. Mm. You know, and just getting super irrational. But I ended up making some um some like raspberry tea, like sun tea that day, and like a first batch of um bison bone broth. Mm. And it's so interesting that like I did all that because that all set me up for the next day. Um, so like Sunday morning comes and I woke at like 4.30 a.m. with these same painless contractions, but like feeling really uncomfortable in my bed. That bed was just so bad towards the end. <laughs> I ended up going to sleep in my daughter's bed which was like a twin size, but it was way better. And my daughter was sleeping in my bed and my husband was sleeping on the floor in the living room. And I was just like, what is going on? <laughs> like no, no one's even like done this before. Mm -hmm. Why is my husband on the floor? 
So like something was super off. <laughs> it was just odd that morning. And, um, so I fall asleep in my daughter's bed around 6 a.m. Um, I decided to just like text my birth keeper. Cause I'm like, you know what? I am pretty sure I'm in labor because this just, it doesn't stop. Like it wasn't hurting, but it was just like consistent. Um, just felt like pressure. And uh, she was at another birth that was slow progressing. So I just told her like, I'm going to have breakfast and I will check in with you around like 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. So like within like the next hour, I got really nauseous and then the contractions were just very close together. I wasn't counting them at all. I just like feeling it. And then I was like, okay, I need to wake up my husband and ask him to help me prepare. So my husband, Mike, he set up the birth pool for me. Um, We like made breakfast I didn't really eat anything, so I just felt pretty sick. Um, but I did eat watermelon and drink water, and that felt really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this was still, like, early, 7.38 a.m., and um, I felt like I was still very much present in normal reality, and so we decided to have sex and... Um, I had like a little bit of cervical bleeding and that felt really lovely and helpful. Um, just like within the next hour, I was like on the floor, <laughs> like I was on hands and knees and, um, that was like nine or so and I called my birth keeper and I just let her know like baby's probably coming soon. Um, but I just remember being stuck in between surges on the floor, like on hands and knees. And that was the only thing that felt right. And so it's interesting to me because as, as a doula, if I had seen a client on the floor for as long as I was on the floor, I would be like, Hey, do you want to walk around? You know, do you want to do something else? (laughs) But This is where, like, this has reframed my mind of undisturbed birth because I felt so good just being on the floor. Like, if someone had come up to me and was like, you know, you should probably go bounce on your ball or something, I would have been like, what? Why are you here? (laughs) No. Yeah. Why are you talking to me? (laughs) uh, Yeah, so that was, like a really good realization for my practice also but um so yeah like I I was on the phone with her <laughs> telling her like you know baby could come between you know 12 or 3 I don't know mm-hmm. um and she just said like okay I'm gonna get ready and head over she was like two hours away mm-hmm. um so I basically just like labored there next to this beautiful fireplace that my husband just kept burning throughout my labor. He would go outside and chop wood and bring more wood into the fireplace. And we just sat there and started raining outside. He told me that he felt 
like his intuition just kept telling him to go get more wood mm. <laughs> leave me alone and you know if I need anything to get it for me and to just be quiet mm. and he was so so perfectly supportive of like being my witness but also you know whatever I really needed and I didn't need I didn't need touch or like any kind of pain relief or anything like that I I really felt like I was in a zone and Mm. him just like getting me some water was nice but really just like tending the space tending the environment so my daughter would come in and out of her room from playing and she'd check on me um he would just make sure that like she was really aware even though she she was very aware on her own but like to just be quiet and she's in a picture with me where she's like kissing my head mm. while I'm in the pool and Aww. it was just like it was so perfect they were like my perfect witnesses Aww, that's so that's so sweet mm. it was sweet mm. so um hi I guess like also there was some interesting symbolism happening in that birth space like I remember seeing this black spider crawling on the floor like really quickly past me while I was in labor and I just thought in my mind like yes like I'm weaving I'm weaving the web me and this baby are are like being supported and we also have a, a ball python who was in its cage right next to me in the room by the fireplace. And she would peek her head up out of her little hide. And she was just staring at me like in between surges. I would just like, look at her and she's like, think, Oh my goodness. Like like my body is, is like transforming. And like, there's, it was just, it was a beautiful, like interesting because those animals were like witness to, to me and they were also like these little signs for me just like to tap back in to surrender like you're a part of this this interweaving process of birth and like it, it's happening to you you know it's happening for you it's you don't have to do anything and it just felt really safe hmm. and, yeah. um, just like embracing that transformation hmm. But when I think about how labor felt, I tried to find a language to describe it. But all I can really say is like, it was this psychedelic portal, Mm. you know, like I, I've heard also that the brain goes through different wave states and that undisturbed birth can lead you into Delta brainwave states. Mm -hmm which is what I felt like I felt so, so high, you know, um, this birth was different than my first birth. When I had my daughter, um, I was at a a birth center and I just remember it being like, there there being so much challenge to my labor. Mm. And with this one, I didn't feel like it was this, this challenge. I felt like I was, um, you know, if, if there was something uncomfortable, I was just like, feel it, let it go. Just like feel into it, let it go. And I remember um, 
the breath being very important, but even not focusing on the breath. Like, I don't know where I went, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, this, this place, Laborland, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, with this, like, this environment that supported this, this trance-like state that I was in, mm. um, you know, undisturbed birth, I, I'm completely in awe of our bodies when given that opportunity to experience birth in an undisturbed state. The body says, thank you. Let me be, let me birth. And it, and it does it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my water started leaking on the towels on the floor and, um, I kind of felt like it was around 1030 or so. Like I felt like I needed to get in the pool. The pool had finally warmed up enough and um, got in there. And remember, I guess, you know, transition is when like a symptom of transition is like you throwing up. I remember throwing up. But my husband said he was feeding me strawberries with chocolate, and I do not remember eating that at all. <laughs> so I don't know where I was. But apparently I was, like, pampered with strawberries and chocolate in a nice warm pool. I, I just, I don't know. Laborland. I don't know where I was. <laughs> yeah, Um, But I do remember, like, some, some uh, points – when I got really close to birth and uh, I remember just like praying, you know, tapping in to divine mother, like to all the mothers, to my grandmothers, to the circle of women that held me for my blessing way and picturing this loving light sparkling in my birth pool and and like realizing that my thoughts were affecting even like the water molecules that I was Mm. in like the water Mm. that my baby was held in and like how that experience just felt like um, I was creating like this I was acknowledging the the sacredness of the water and um, allowing it to to really just like hold my body so that I could just trust. <coughs> I feel like the birth pool was like holy water. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I just like floated on my back and um, just like felt really secure. Mm. Just became one with that experience for a while. And I remember opening my eyes and seeing my birth keeper walk in the door as my baby was crowning and immediately she came in and um, she asked my husband, where's Emily's drum? Because I had made this bear hide drum a few years back with um, a shamanic practitioner in the area, this lovely woman. And that drum meant so much to me it was it was also that the bear the mama bear like the the bear going in her cave Mm -hmm. to have her baby you know it it felt like that Mm -hmm. that drum um that drum was played 
while my daughter was being born and mm. my husband was playing um, some court singing bowls while she was playing my drum. And so my baby experienced sacred sound as she came into the world and it was perfect. Mm. That's amazing. Oh, Emily. Wow. It's very powerful imagery too. And how was, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, she, Oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. You go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that, um, like I just remember feeling my baby as this intense pressure and like definitely feeling a ring of fire for a moment, but like those words ring of fire even are just like so, so daunting to an, a woman that hasn't experienced mm-hmm. it that I have to say like, yes, it's a ring of fire, but it also is not, <laughs> it's not what they want you to think. Totally. It it's not totally. like, it's not so so horrible where like we have to fear that you know because that's I think that's something a lot of women fear Mm -hmm. is the actual crowning the actual baby coming out of them and that that doesn't have to be no and I feel like doesn't yeah the music that they were playing for me and just um being so aware okay I I knew my baby was coming out of me but then my husband he, he said, you know, I can see her head or I can see its head. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt her head and mm-hmm. it was just like, oh, wow. Okay, here we are. Like we're done with all that other stuff. Like I am here now. The baby is coming. So um, it was just like a couple more contractions. And then she dove right into the pool and I swooped down and grabbed her from the water and I felt so clear, like this intense amount of clarity. Like no shock. There was no fatigue. I just like tuned into her. And I realized like I birthed my own baby by myself. Yeah. Wow. Aww. I brought her to my chest and um, I could feel her short cord because yeah, it was pretty short. So mm-hmm. That was a little awkward, Mm -hmm. but, um, (coughs) we told each other and she integrated, she was, um, really covered in vernix and her head was a little blue, but like, I, I knew she was okay. Mm -hmm. So I just held her and told her like I'm so glad you're finally here and I remember saying yes 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 mm-hmm. and uh, her color changed I did like suck her nose a little bit but like there wasn't really anything I did that with my mouth yeah um, but she was she was fine and like within a couple minutes her color completely changed and she cried which she is definitely a like a loud baby <laughs> just in general she's like my gemini baby so like i know she's gonna be a great communicator she's got a lot to say but um <laughs> yeah yeah but like you know mamas want to hear their baby cry when 
the baby's born and it was just like yeah that's the way you talk like you're just well, you're just a very verbal person mm. she she cried a lot and I stood up and um like it was nice to have my birth keeper there to help my husband because like they kind of helped me out of the pool and like made sure I didn't bleed on the carpet and <laughs> Um, we walked to the bedroom because like I really wanted to get in bed right after that it's just like okay I'm done with this let's go get warm and cozy and um, like that experience was just I I felt like I wanted to be very clear and hyper aware of of that integration into the bed and so I kind of envisioned that before birth too Mm -hmm. like my first, my first birth, I was definitely, um, I had a lot of different interventions that happened with my first birth. And I definitely felt so much like shock that I couldn't, I didn't even know that I could, you know, catch my own baby and just things that I, I experienced differently this time around. Um, I didn't experience that fatigue or shock. So I just was like, okay, let's go to the bed. And I felt like, I was super capable of doing that and um I just tuned into her and so really yeah like any any residual worry left my body at that point we went into the bed mm-hmm. and um ended up birthing the placenta in a bowl a little while later um, which was also nice to have another woman there because the cord was so short. I wanted to like nurse. So like I nursed a little while and the placenta hadn't come out. Um, and not that I was rushing it, but like the cord length totally matters in this stage mm-hmm. <laughs> because it, like it, it helps you walk if your placenta isn't there or like, you know, I wanted to nurse and do like a cord burning ceremony. So, um, I got the placenta out and you know, it took like maybe an hour, but, um, that felt really good. And my birth keeper saying while we were doing, poor burning ceremony and my daughter she was holding this beautiful gifted rainbow candle me and my husband both had beeswax candles for this ceremony and so the three of us burned the cord together Mm. and it just it all came together at that point you know like my rainbow baby this was my 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 baby Mm. that I had wanted for so long and um you know when my my husband asked what we were going to name her that was another thing like I didn't want anyone to find out and say like it's a girl Mm -hmm. um I found that out myself so like that felt really good but I didn't know what to name her my husband and I had decided like if it's a girl you name her Emily and if it's a boy he would name him and every name I picked I had like 10 names did not feel good Mm. like it just wasn't right and so my husband's like 
we should name her Michelle, um, which is a Mayan name. Mm -hmm. And it's the goddess of midwifery. Mm -hmm. She's the rainbow jaguar goddess. And he's also Mayan. And so that really felt good that he was picking that name. Mm -hmm. And I just accepted that that was it Mm, that's beautiful and how was uh how was your postpartum so yeah okay basically what I ended up doing was um after she was born we did call my midwife and um we looked at the placenta together because that was something I really wanted to explore. Mm -hmm. And she had some really great insight for me, just the way that it looked um, and how it kind of reflected, well, it totally reflected the experiences that I had during pregnancy, you know, because the placenta acting as a filter and even as like a guide for the baby. Um, you know, I was pregnant during COVID. And so there was a lot of shifting happening. And, mm-hmm. you know, we ended up moving when I was like 33 weeks pregnant too, which is like huge packing and being so pregnant. There was just a lot of peak experiences that happened. And mm-hmm. um, my placenta looked pretty lumpy in that way that like it had gone through a lot. And um she also noticed that there was like this huge amount of scar tissue on my placenta at one area that we kind of like looked at a bit more and realized that it had been a vanishing twin, mm. which I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if you've heard that. I'm sure you have, but um, it's basically your baby's twin that was undeveloped and died sometime during the pregnancy and it gets either absorbed by the baby or the womb or the placenta oh, wow. during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when we looked at it and like the size of it and um, just the energy of it, we both kind of realized, and I thought about this more, um, of like why I might have been bleeding around that time. Mm-hmm. So it would have been around the same time that my baby had died. And maybe there was like a lot of shifting happening where like, you know, this baby was being supported. And I mean, it makes sense to me, Yeah. but it was a huge discovery when we looked at the placenta and And so, yeah, I mean, like pregnancy is so mystical, Mm -hmm. like all these things that we don't, we don't really know every detail of what's going on during their growth process and like what's happening inside necessarily. But um, yeah, it it just blew my mind. It's like, wow, like all the lessons that came from that, you know, and, and even thinking in my mind at one point, like I see two spirits, I see a boy and a girl. Mm -hmm but I don't know if it's a boy or a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and just thinking like, wow, there were two spirits there. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's so wild. Yeah. Man. It, it was. And um, 
so like I did end up dehydrating my placenta and then we kept the vanishing twin to bury and I'm making a tincture out of the umbilical cord mm-hmm. for my daughter as a supportive tincture for her as she grows older. Cool. Very cool. Well, Emily, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, yeah, this was beautiful. Um, and is there any last parting words of wisdom that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Yeah, you know, um, midwifery is in our bones and midwifing yourself through pregnancy and through birth it you don't have to do it alone Mm -hmm. but you get to decide the path and with all of the options that are out there i just i just think it's good to envision it to the highest Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for allowing me to record your story and your and share. And I, I so appreciate you for being here today. Thank you, Emily. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Storytelling is a profound agent of change, one that has the ability to plant seeds of inspiration introspection, and beyond. If you have an empowering birth story that you would like to share on our podcast, please head over to IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior to send your submissions. That's IndieBirth.org forward slash birth warrior. Hope you have a beautiful week wherever you are in the world. Until next time, friends.